0: Now that my voice is coming back, if you have a Bible this morning, I'd like you to turn to the book of Judges, Old Testament, book of Judges chapter 6. Judges chapter 6. The book of Judges is this interesting period of time where there wasn't a king over the nation of Israel. Instead of that, God would raise up people not necessarily related to each other. In fact, very rarely was the case. It wasn't an inherited thing. But God would raise up these people to be deliverers and then also to judge and to, in a sense, rule. Not reign, but rule over the people. This interesting time called the Judges. This morning, from the book of Judges, I want to talk about some questions. You ever have some big questions? Uh, Someone rightfully observed that so many of our questions begin with W words, or words that contain W, like when, and why, and where, and what, and how. Those, those words, where and when and why and when and, 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 and who and what and how, those, those are the, the key components of a lot of our questions. Maybe you've come even in the last week and you're asking something, when is this going to happen? How is it going to happen? Why is this happening? Who is that person going to be? Who is going to help me? How is this ever going to get done? you ever have some big questions? Of course you do. Let me turn it a little bit about who we direct the questions to. Have you ever had questions of God? Not his existence. I trust that that is settled. He is there. He is present. Uh, Whether you believe that or not, I, I promise you, he is there. I'm not talking about the questions of his existence. But have you ever had some hard questions that you wanted to ask God or maybe you did ask God? Why is this happening? Why is it happening now? How am I going to get out of this? How's this going to work out? God, when is this going to happen? You ever had some questions of God? God? Well, there's a man recorded here in Judges chapter 6 who asked some questions that we still ask today. The people of Israel were once again in that cycle that I talked about a few weeks ago. By that cycle, I mean a recurring pattern that the people would go through. Sometimes it would take as little as 20 years, sometimes 70, 80, 90, or more years. But the cycle would go something like this. God's people would walk into the bondage of sin. You never fall into sin. You walk into it. You choose to do it. God's people anyway. God's people would choose to walk into sin. And then because of the sin, there would be some consequences. God would allow some, his people to come under subjection. We're talking here on a national level. And then over time the people would see the consequences of their action and the difficulty of their circumstances and they would cry out to God and they would repent and, and, and they, would, they would call out to Him. And, and then God would raise up a deliverer. It was usually a judge. God would raise up a deliverer. Deliverance would come and then finally they would experience a time of peace. And this cycle, this cycle of sin and then subjection and then repentance and deliverance or raising up a deliverer and then deliverance and then peace. That cycle would go again and again and then they would go back into sin and this would repeat itself. That was a a part of uh, uh, the, the people of Israel, their history for much of their history recorded in the Bible. But it's also something that we go through. There are times when we walk into sin, we choose to sin, and there are consequences to that, and it's difficult, and 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 all of a sudden you see this bondage and you cry out to God and, and God raised up a deliverer. His name is Jesus so that we don't need to find a person. We run to Jesus. He delivers us and we experience again peace with God. But then sometimes we go back into that cycle and it just perpetuates itself. That's not how God planned it and we can live in victory. We talked about that two weeks ago, but they're in this cycle. The people of Israel are in this cycle god 's people here in judges chapter six had again walked away from God uh, once again they had they had uh, begun to worship the false gods of the of the area they had begun to embrace the wicked things of the surrounding culture. All of this was happening they had chosen these things, so to bring them to repentance, the Bible says that God allowed an enemy people in this case. There were two people's groups, specifically called the Midianites and the Amalekites. You won't be tested on this later. You don't have to remember that. But two people's groups, particularly here, called the Midianites and the Amalekites. And there were some other peoples as well who came in and occupied their nation. Now, I'm sure from their standpoint, they're thinking, this is a terrible thing. And yet it was a part of God's plan to bring them to repentance. So these people come in, and they occupy their land, and the people called out to God in repentance, and he began to raise up an unlikely deliverer. Again, this is a part of that cycle that was going on. God begins to raise up this unlikely deliverer. Now, let me just stop here before I continue on in the the narrative, uh, but... You will often see throughout Scripture God raising up unlikely people in unlikely places to do amazing things. Let me say that again. Throughout the Word, throughout Christian history, you will see God raising up unlikely people in unlikely and obscure places to do remarkable things for His glory. He did that then. He still does it today. And the first mention of an unlikely deliverer named Gideon is here in Judges chapter 6 verse 11 where it says this Gideon was beating out wheat in the wine press to hide it from the Midianites now stop there again it says Gideon was beating out wheat in the wine press to hide it from the Midianites let me explain Again, these Midianites had come in, they were occupying the land, and one of the ways that they subjected the people is they controlled the food supply. That's how they stayed dependent upon them. You control the food supply, you're going to control the nation. The Midianites would come in and they would steal their food and then maybe limit it out back to the people, but they controlled that. Gideon, this man named Gideon, is hiding in a wine press. It's an unlikely place to beat out wheat. But remember, he's trying to protect this from the occupying nation. It's obviously not uh, grape season. The wine press is empty, so it's a really good place to hide and beat out the wheat and prepare it for human consumption, separating it from the husk or the chaff so they can make it into bread. And he's beating this out. That's the, that's the circumstance here. Look at verse 12. It says, The angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon and said to him, The Lord is with you, O mighty man of valor. I want you to imagine this scene. He's sitting there, he's, he's in this wine press, protected from, or hiding from the enemy. He's beating this out, and suddenly an angel of the Lord appears. Now, every time that an angel appears in Scripture, I don't think they, anyone ever said, Oh, hello, angel. I think they screamed. <laughs> I think it was terrifying. I mean, he's, he's, he's afraid of the, of, of the enemy army. Now he all of a sudden has an angel in front of him speaking to him. Again, the angel of the Lord appeared and said to him, The Lord is with you, O mighty man of valor. I want you to look at that, that greeting or that, that opening statement that the angel had. The Lord is with you, O mighty man of valor. If you think about it, the angel's greeting does not quite seem to fit. Remember, he's hiding from the enemy. I don't know, maybe every 10 or 15 minutes, he peeks up over the side of the wine press and he looks and he scans the horizon to make sure no Midianites or Amalekites are coming. And then he goes and he begins beating the the grain And then suddenly this angel sent from God says, mighty man of valor, the Lord is with you. Mighty man of valor. You're mighty and you're a man of valor. It seems not to fit because hiding from the enemy doesn't seem very heroic. In fact, even Gideon thought so. That's why he began asking some questions. Look at the first part of verse 13. It says this, Gideon said to the angel, please, my Lord, if the Lord is with us, why then has all this happened to us? I want you to notice that he asked the question, why? 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 If the Lord is with us, why has all this happened to us? Don't raise your hands, don't shout it out, out the answer, but you ever ask that question? You ever face something and you're going, why is this happening? Or, Or why did this happen? Or why did this happen to me? Why did that simple, small thing happen that changed our life even to this day? Why did that happen? There have been a lot of times in my life, I won't go into all the details because it would distract from the point of the message, but there have been a number of times in my life where I've said, why? Why did they do this? Or why did this happen? There have been times in my life where I said, why did they die? Why did that person contract this illness? Why? Why is this happening in our community? Why is this happening in our family? Why is this happening in our nation? We ask a lot of questions. We know that God is there, but we say, why? You know, I was, I was thinking of this and just really drilling down on this in the last several weeks and, and uh, it hit me that even Jesus asked a why question. Jesus faced something like this and he asked the why question. Maybe you're ahead of me, but it happened when Jesus was hanging on the cross. Jesus, the one who had never sinned, the one who had never walked into sin, chosen to sin. He was absolutely perfect, unlike anyone who's ever lived. And then on the cross, he willingly takes the sin of mankind. Everything that you've ever done was heaped upon him. Everything that anyone has ever done, all of the sin of humanity, from the very beginning to the very end of humanity, was heaped upon him. Jesus became the sacrifice for our sin. The one who was sinless, who never experienced it, became sin. The Bible says that God turned away and Jesus in that place, he had this perfect relationship with the Father that had been gone forever. And suddenly, for the first time, The father turns away, and Jesus, in his first language, that time, Aramaic, Jesus cried out, Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani. Translated, it means, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Jesus asked the why question. Why is this happening now? When I think of that, it gives me some comfort that if even Jesus asked God why, that you and I can ask God why. Now, let me, let me warn you ahead of time, <clears throat> you may not get the answer you want or you may not get an answer at all, but if you've ever asked God, why is this happening? Why did this happen? Why why now? Why them? Why her? Why him? You're in good company. You see, we may not know until heaven all of our whys. Somebody said, <laughs> it wasn't me, uh, but I've heard this, that the, the why question, understanding why things are, is one of the best questions to ask. Here's the thing. We may not know, this side of heaven, why certain things are. We may not know why that person has to endure that we may not know why we went through that. We may have the answer now, but it's not guaranteed. But I can still trust him. And see, that's a very key point. Even with my why questions, I can ask God why, but I can still trust him. Because what was said to Gideon also applies to us if you are in Christ the Lord is with you remember how did the angel start he said the Lord is with you you're a mighty man of valor of valor the Lord is with you he did not have an answer to his why questions but he knew this the Lord was with him you and I may not have all of the answers to our why questions but we can still know the Lord is with us I've been serving Jesus for over 40 years now. Um, made a recommitment at about age 17. And, and I, I, I submitted my life to him. And, and boy, I've had a lot of questions in that time. Really hard questions that I've asked God why. But I can, I can know this, that even in that, those 40 years, even if my questions went unanswered, I still put my trust in him for I can trust in no other. Even if my questions aren't answered, Gideon asked another question. Verse 13 continues Gideon said, And where are all his wonderful deeds that our fathers recounted to us, saying, Did not the Lord bring us up from Egypt? And then he added this But now the Lord has forsaken us and given us into the hand of Midian. Now look at that statement. He's saying, Where are all of his wonderful deeds? Gideon knew his history. Well, he asked the where question. Notice that he asked the where question. First he asked why, now he's asking where. Where did God's power go? Where did God's power go? He understood his history. He knew the history of the Jewish people up to this point. How God had delivered his people from Egyptian slavery with multiple demonstrations of power. You can read about that in the book of Exodus. Gideon knew that history, how in one miracle after another, he loosened the hand of Pharaoh, and Pharaoh finally said, go. And they were set free through demonstrations of power. Gideon knew his history, but now Gideon is wondering where was or where is God's power now? He asked that question. Where's your power now? And, and he comes to a false conclusion. He says, I, I know, I paraphrase, he says, I understand the power that it took then to de- deliver them, but we're still in bondage, so where is your power now? And he came to a false conclusion the end of that verse. He said, now the Lord has forsaken us and given us into the hand of, of Midian. God's forsaken us. Came to a false conclusion. You ever have the, uh, the where questions? God, where's your power? You ever had some kind of a sickness, some kind of a disease, and, and you prayed for healing and it hasn't come, or at least in the way that you wanted, and you're saying, yeah, but I hear these stories of other people. I've got to tell you there have been a number of times in my life where God has healed me and I've prayed for other people with the same sickness and I've prayed for them and they weren't healed. I said, God, I've asked the hard question, God, where's your power? I'm not questioning that he has power. I know that he does. I've simply prayed and said, Lord, where's your your power that you demonstrated there, here? Here. Sometimes I've asked the where question, God, where do you want me to go? Or where do you want me to stay? You ever ask that question? Here's the thing. Look at the text again. The angel replied, the angel gave an answer, but please notice that the angel did not answer Gideon's questions. So verse 14 The Lord turned to Gideon and said, now remember this is the angel and he's God's servant, God's spokesman. The Lord turned to Gideon and said, go in this might of yours and save Israel from the hand of Midian. Do I not send you? There's no explanation here as to why these things have happened. There's no explanation as to where God's power was or was not just a directive go i've sent you to save israel i mean here he's asking these hard questions why where and the angel doesn't answer them the angel simply says go go to this 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 uh, go in this might of yours save israel from the hand of, and i have sent you just a directive go i've sent you to save israel i have to preach god's word but i look at this and i'm going yeah but he has some real questions i look at this and it's a little bit disturbing but i have to preach it as it is he doesn't answer the question directly instead he just gives an order go i've sent you to save israel it's hard i have to tell you it's hard when you have questions, and instead of getting answers, God just gives directions. I, I think that there are, from where I stand in my life, from where you stand in your life, we see about this much, no, we see about this much of God's greater plan. And we want all of God's plan, we want the awareness and the understanding of all of His plan to come to me in the span of this. God's plan is all the way around and I know this much of it. I see this much of it and there are so many times where I'm, I want to know the where, and I want to know the why, and I want to know the how, and I want to know the who, and I want to know the what. I want to know all of these things, and God says, I don't have to tell you. See, that's a hard thing, but I have to say that. We can have a lot of questions, and God does not have to give us the answer that we want. So here's a question for you. Will you do what God has called you to do even if you don't know the why and the where? Boy, that's real Christianity. Will you do what God has called you to do even if he doesn't answer the why and the where? Gideon had one more question. Verse 15, he said this, Please, Lord, how can I save Israel? And then he gave this excuse. Behold, my clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I am the least in my father's house. Let me explain. The nation of Israel at this time was divided into 12 groupings called tribes. Gideon's tribe were the descendants of Manasseh. That was his tribe's name, Manasseh. And of the 12 tribes, Manasseh was among the smallest tribe in size and influence and territory. So when Gideon told the angel, my clan or my family is the weakest in Manasseh and I am the least in my family, he essentially told the angel this, I am the youngest member of the weakest family of the smallest tribe in an oppressed nation. That's what he's saying with this statement. Again, he's telling the angel, "I think you've got it wrong. I am the youngest member of the weakest family of the smallest tribe" In an oppressed nation. Remember what I said earlier. How God raises up unlikely people. In unlikely places. To do his work. I say that because I want you to understand. If you have ever been tempted. To think God cannot use me. And you give your excuses. Well I doubt that you are the least of the least of the least. But God used Gideon who was the least of the least of the least. Gideon believed that he was quite simply the least qualified person in the world to do the job that God was calling him to do. And so he asked the question, how? How? That's a big question. How can I do what you've called me to do? How is this going to happen? How in the world can you use me? I like the angel's response. Verse 16, the angel said, I will be with you and you shall strike or defeat. That means defeat. You shall strike the Midianites as one man. Again, here it is. The man has some big questions and the angel's response is really short on detail. There's no explanation of how other than the one piece of information that Gideon really needed where he again hears, I will be with you. Do you remember how this conversation here in this wine press started? The Lord is with you. And now here again, the angel says, I will be with you. Second time. I... Again, not going into details, but I have faced so many things in my life where I said, God, how? In fact, I dare say that you have faced some things in your life where maybe God has called you to do something and you've said, how? Maybe he's called you to do something, perhaps he's called you to be something, and you're saying, how? All I see are the limitations. I'm the least of the least of the least. How are you going to use me? I'm lacking some vital resource. How can you use me? I have nothing of what this world desires. How can you use me? And God says, I will be with you. It would would be so wonderful this morning if I were to tell you that every time you have a question, a hard question for God, he's going to give an answer as to the why or the where or the how in Gideon's case or the what, or the when, or the who. And I don't know. But I know that the Lord is with me. And if you are in relationship with Him, I want you to know that the Lord is with you. Reminds me of a a verse from Romans chapter 8. It's verse 31. It's a powerful statement and it is phrased as a question. It reads this way. If God is for us, who can be against us? If God is for us, Who can be against us? And I wish I had all of the answers to all of the questions that I've ever had. But I don't. But I know that if He is with me, then He's going to get me through that. He's going to carry me through. He's going to strengthen me. He's going to give me the insight. It may not be in the timeline that I would like, but he's going to help me. The most important decision you have ever made or you will ever make is to come into right relationship with Jesus Christ. It's to come into relationship with him. And if you have done that, then you are the Lord's, and the Lord is with you. Bringing this message this morning, I, I knew I've been praying. I said, Lord, I, I wish I had more answers to some of these questions. But I know that I'm bringing it because there are some people here this morning who right now or even earlier today or certainly in the last week, you've asked this question maybe of someone else, perhaps even to God. How's it going to happen? When's it going to happen? Why is this happening? And I don't have an answer for you other than this. If you are in Christ, the Lord is with you, and he is going to make a way. If you want to know the rest of Gideon's story, you can read it later. Everything that God called him to do, he did. It took some more convincing. That's more for another time, but it took some convincing. But God used Gideon, the most unlikely person from one of the most unlikely places he used him and he used him as a judge this morning that same God is with us still he gave his life for us on the cross so that we might know in spite of our questions in spite of how big they are in spite of the fact that we may not have answers this side of heaven I don't know all of those things, but I know this. He is with me, and if he calls me to do something, if he calls me to be something, and as long as I remain close to him and sensitive to the leading of his Holy Spirit, then some way, one way or another, it will be accomplished because the Lord is with me. This morning, before we go any further, I want to make sure that you are with Christ, that you have surrendered your life to Christ. If you this morning have not surrendered, you may be listening online, you may be following us there, you may be here in this room, but this morning, if you have not surrendered your life to Christ, you're trying to figure it out yourselves. and I'm telling you, there's going to be some questions that will never be answered, may not be answered otherwise, but will never be answered, and you're trying to, you're trying to figure it out yourself. You're trying to figure out the when and the where and the why and the how all on your own, and it will never happen. You will fail. You will fail miserably. You will fail for eternity. But I'm telling you, the most important decision you will ever make is to give your life to Jesus Christ. If you've not done that, today I want you to do that. In fact, I'd like you to bow your heads with me right now. Everyone across this room, I'd like you to bow your heads with me. And, and I, I want to pray for you. If there's anyone here today, if there's anyone here today that would say, I, I am not in right relationship with god i have not asked him to be the lord of my life i have not asked him to come in and forgive well today is your opportunity with no one looking around i'm going to ask this if that is you this morning there's no camera on you no one else is going to see this but if that is you this morning you say i just i want to i want to give my life to jesus today i i I want him to be the lord of my life not me If that is you this morning, would you do two things? Would you lift up your hands and then catch my eye? And I really want to pray with you today. Before we go any further, I want to pray for the rest of you and open it up for a time of prayer. But before we do that, I need to ask this question. Is there anyone here this morning who would say, yeah, I want to surrender my life to Christ? Anyone here on the main level, just looking across from different sections here? The balcony. Anyone, anyone? Anyone here this morning? Maybe you're following us online and you're saying, Can I do that? Yeah, you can. In fact, I'm going to lead you in prayer here in just a moment. But if you do this morning, if you do, you're following us on the live stream or on a recording, would you reach over and click that box response? for salvation we want to pray with you we want to get some materials to you if that is you then then please make sure of that let us know but I want to pray for anybody that's listening here this morning Lord today even in these moments we make this very simple prayer if you believe this you can just go ahead and say it there on wherever you are Lord Jesus come into my heart and forgive my sin my questions are so big I don't have answers but I believe you are the answer I surrender my life to you as you become the Lord of my life help me to walk with you for the rest of my life. I don't need all the answers, but I know I need you. Thank you, Jesus, for saving me as I've given my life to you now. Give me the assurance of that salvation in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I'd like you to stand with me. In a moment, we're going to open these altars. The worship team is going to lead us. And uh, please note, this is going to be a place of prayer. And uh, when we're done, when we're done praying, you can feel free to go. You may have some obligations, but there may be some of you that have some really big questions. I'm not saying that you're going to get an answer but you may need to just come down to these altars and spend some extra time with the Lord there will be people here to pray with you if you'd like that we welcome that there's an old song that goes like this Jesus is the answer for the world today above him there is no other Jesus is the way I believe with everything in me he is still the answer for this world today that's why we do what we do why you're here. If you didn't believe that, you wouldn't have shown up. I believe that Jesus is the answer. Thank you, Lord. Now your blessing upon us as we go, as we worship you, or gather around these altars, or walk out and fellowship, Lord, may we go knowing that you are the answer. That the answer can only be found in you. Some answers we may not know until heaven, And that's okay, Lord. I'm going to trust you. We're going to follow you. We're going to do as you've called us to do until then. But I know this. You are the answer. Thank you, Jesus. Pray these things in the mighty and powerful name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. God bless you. These altars are open. praise the Lord this morning.